Hello, everyone. Thank you so much to all of you who listened to episode one of my podcast. This is Michael Rett, and this is episode two. Tonight, I will be talking about preparation and the importance of preparation. It is not a subject I am necessarily particularly fond of. However, I have learned the importance of it and do it when I can. I am not by nature a type A personality, um, someone who can get up uh, every day at a certain time, you know, spends 10 minutes doing this, um, five minutes doing this, and is out the door in the gym. I'm just not wired that way. I am way too right-brained for that. If any of you are familiar with the Myers-Briggs and the judging side that are very punctual and all that, I am totally the opposite when it comes to time. So when it comes to preparing to get things accomplished in my life, whether it's goals or something as simple as food prep, which I'll be discussing today, um, it's much more of a cognizant action for me to have to take. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy um, what you're listening to. Please, if you do, there's that little clap thing that um, you you can hit as you're listening to it. So some of the things that I like to prepare for. Um, I'm not really a planner, as I mentioned. I'm okay taking a lot of things as they come. You know, I used to be more spontaneous when I was younger. It's easier to do that before you have family, especially a kid. I have an 18-month-old now who's, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, As he gets older, we could probably be a little bit more spontaneous. But right now my life, you know, centers around more his schedule and I'm married as well. And so I have to consider my wife, of course, and, you know, my job and whatnot. So um, I do still have some flexibility, but not like when I was younger where you get a phone call from your friend, hey, let's go do this. So there is more planning. Uh, sometimes the planning is as simple as I need to pack my gym bag the night before so that after work the next day I can go right there. I'm not like I'm going home and then back to the gym. I'm going to say box because I CrossFit. We go to, they're technically called boxes, but for all, um, you know, what we're understanding, it's the gym where I go to work out and exercise. So it's some simplest pack my gym bag. So I don't have to worry about that the next morning. You know, it takes out just that little bit of stress and anxiety. That makes a huge difference. Or packing my lunches for the next day, my food um, for the next day. That takes a little bit more time. You know, some people may measure out their food. I usually do that lately. That's a pretty new thing for me. Um, but you, one, you save money because you're not ordering out the next day. Two, again, you save time the next day. And a lot of people, I think it seems, when, you know, when I used to work more in like a corporate kind of uh, job, would order out. Or I know some of my friends that they're, they're ordering out while they're at work and that costs money. And usually the food you order out from is not very healthy. Um, a couple of our coaches at CrossFit, one coach in particular, Kate, hashtag Kate's clean plates. She, <laughs> she'll get, you know, she brings like a b- giant bag with her wherever she goes. She travels a lot. So, and, and she's told me, you know, that she gets, you know, people look at her funny, you know, and people sometimes no one's really looked at me funny, but people comment, oh, you bring your bag, and you know, lunch bag to work and this and that. And yeah, that's kind of just how it is. And so I'm lugging a few more things in there, but I'm not lugging in extra pounds because I'm, you know, e- you know, eating fairly well. 
So those are just a couple of minor things. And, you know, if I didn't take that time to prepare, I wouldn't be able to achieve some of my goals, you know, getting as often as I like to exercise or having, you know, eating well enough to, you know, have good muscle weight, not to be super thin, you know, I'm not saying that everyone, you know, well, I think a lot of us would like to lose a few pounds. Um, some of us don't necessarily even need to, but there is this idea that, you know, we're so overweight and out of shape, but many of us are. And I know many of us would like to, to at least be healthy. And, you know, the small step of preparing um, a lunch bag for you for the next day, you know, with plenty of water, of course. Or even grinding the coffee and getting it all set to go in your coffee maker, depending on the kind you have. If you have a timer, that's even better. Um, I actually just started grinding my beans again in the morning of because the coffee just tastes better because it's fresher. I'm a coffee snob. I have no problem admitting that. I am a, the music snob, but I'm probably a bigger coffee snob. <laughs> so, hey, whatever. Um, so a couple other things that I find. So I mentioned food. I mentioned food prep. And actually, if you follow me on Instagram at Michael Rett, that's R-H-E-T-T. Um, sometimes, in fact, my recent story on Instagram today has a few of the things I food prepped. I'm able to do that on Mondays, actually, because on Mondays I watch my son. And food prep is relatively easy to do while watching him. He's 19 months. Um, you know, he can play kind of on his own, and I could see him, and I could you know, cut the food and, and cook it. And it's usually just vegetables that I prep. Um, maybe I'll defrost something. Um, usually I'll kind of cook, like if I have chicken, I'll cook that um, day of or night before. It's nice, nicer to have that fresher sometimes, but vegetables take longer. So I actually um, chop up the beets and cook the beets. I never thought I would eat beets. I honestly, I never did. Like they were always just the grossest looking things to me, but actually props to Kate, hashtag clean plates. You know, she turned me onto them. You know, golden beets and purple beets are actually pretty and they're, you know, a little bit sweet, you know, so I actually put them in with like eggs or, you know, I think I had them with some ground beef today and they're actually pretty good. Put a little salt on them and cook them. Um, I usually then chop some zucchini. I don't cook that because that cooks relatively quickly. I actually made some asparagus today. I haven't had asparagus in the longest time. And um, what was the other thing? Um, I put spinach, you know, in my shake that I don't need to prep because it's loose and um, sweet potatoes. I'll cook those. Those are easy to, you know, because they take a little time. You know, the beets take 40 minutes. I'm not doing that every day. So doing it once a week, that, that's a good thing. So I'm actually, I have some good things prepped. And vegetables, we always want to get more vegetables. I don't eat broccoli. I hate broccoli. You know, do what you like. You have a vegetable that you like, eat that. It's pretty simple. There's this notion that, you know, the food that we want to eat and eat well has to be, taste gross, but it doesn't. Um, yeah, there's some things we eat sometimes that maybe we don't like as much as others. Um, but find something that you like and eat that. And start small. I'll always say this. Start small. You know, like I said, I just bought asparagus again for the first time in a long time. Actually, because I have been buying broccolini, it's called. It's it's kind of like a broccoli rob. And, but there, the, the market was out of them. So there's your food prep. You know, that's one important thing. Something else... Um, you know, I talk a lot about CrossFit. I talk about warming um, and working out. Warming up. 
uh, it's amazing to me how many people don't warm up. Um, well, we warm up as a group. Um, so some people get there earlier before the class starts to do a little bit more, more warming up. That's me. So we do have a group warm up. Uh, maybe some people need more. And I understand time constraints. People are in there coming from work. I understand that sometimes I can get there earlier. Sometimes I can't. Tonight I couldn't. So actually the warm up wasn't what I would have liked it. And I felt that a little bit in my workout. I couldn't go as hard. Uh, my shoulders are a little sore, you know, during and after the workout because I couldn't warm them up as much. You know, that's part of preparing to work out, to exercise, um, going slowly, you know, stretching. That kind of thing will catch up to you physically if you don't. And cooling down too as well, preparing yourself, I guess. I guess cooling down is in a way preparing. You're preparing yourself for the next day so that you are less sore. Um, stretching after a workout is so important. Um, it can't be, it can't be overstressed how important that is. Now, sometimes those of you that follow me, um, on my social media, again, Michael Rad on Instagram, uh, is my main one right now I'm on Facebook too. I'm just delving into Twitter. Um, you know, I'm currently pursuing my PhD, which is no smaller taking. It's in communication at Regent University in Virginia Beach. I do have some Really exciting news that um, one of my colleagues who goes there, she posted today, the I wrote a book chapter and that book is finally coming out. I thought it would be in January. It's actually coming out, I believe the end of this week. It says it on Amazon, March 15th. I wrote a chapter. It's um, called The Proliferation of Protest. It's about the NFL and the take a knee controversy. And I had a co-writer, Joshua Weiss, and he and I wrote a book, uh, a chapter in this book about um, the political responses to take a knee and thankful to my professor, Steve Perry, who, you know, he submitted this to a publisher and the publisher was into it and it got written, you know, written and published and edited and everything. So something, one part of me pursuing a PhD was yes, because I want to teach full time at the college level. That's why I originally got my master's, which was in theater then I felt a calling to get my PhD, which when I initially, and I, you know, I felt that was from God, a former student of mine who has since passed away, Ivan, you know, said a prayer one time. He's like, you're going to be a doctor one day. I know it's not a medical doctor, but a PhD, I'll have a PhD one day. And I was like, oh, great. Now I get to go back, back to school for a few years. I'll have been in school. Actually, I've been in school now at this point longer than I've not been in school in my 40 years of life. That's 12 years of like K through 12, four years in college, three in a master's, and I'll probably be five in my PhD. That's what 12 plus four is 16 plus three is 17 plus five is 22. And I am 40. I've been in school longer than I've not been in school. <laughs> but that's just, you know, um, that's just what I'm doing. So this book chapter got published. You know, I did the work to get into this program and there's a goal, you know, goals get published to have something to say and be able to say it well. Um, regularly throughout in, in my school, I'm in a, taking a class now, theology and communication. Um, you know, we have to write, you know, there's discussion boards and we have to write papers. You know, um, that's one of the things you do in school. 
And you can't just sit down and write a paper. You cannot BS your way through a PhD level paper. Um, not even close. Maybe a discussion board, but it takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of research. You have to sit down. So if a paper's due, our paper's due mid-April, end of April, maybe like six weeks from now. So I've already had 15 sources, I think. I've already had to do that preparation, that research. Just like any of you in school have to do that. Um, it, maybe at your work you need to do that. You have to research new leads if you're like in sales or something like that. Or you know, in admissions, maybe at a school, you know, like a college or something. Um, you need to research new leads or you're in charge of, I don't know, maybe you're an IT person. You have to stay up to date on the latest technology. You know, something like that. It, it requires a lot of legwork, so to speak. And that's all research. You know, and if you don't do it, you're going to be behind the curve. You're going to, for me, I'd fail. You know, someone else might get fired. Um, it's really just taking the time. And, you know, as much as I would love to sit and binge watch whatever the latest show is, and I do that plenty. Um, currently on, my wife and I are watching the show, The Looming Tower, which is about um, the lead up to 9-11 and some of the failures that the the... American government had in um, really not seeing that 9-11 was going to happen. Mostly the miscommunication between the CIA and the FBI. Um, watching another show called Manif. So, you know, but taking the time to actually like, read, you know, you learn a lot by reading. I think it's, there's, a, there's a saying, um, wealthier people read more, something like that. Because if you read more, then you can talk more about ideas and the most intelligent people often talk more about ideas as opposed to the least intelligent talk about people in the middle of events. So, you know, that's a part of the research. And as I talk about research and preparing for school, I need to discuss something called qualifying exams. So if you're in a PhD program and you're in a master's program, you all have to, we all have to write a thesis or a dissertation. We've all probably heard that of that. So in order to get to writing the dissertation, you have to take a qualifying examination. Anyone who's taken the GREs, even the SATs, you understand, you'll understand this to some degree. I've not taken mine yet. Mine are in October, November, this fall. I've already had many of my colleagues pass people that I've started my program with. Um, I had to take a semester off when my son was born. So I'm a little behind uh, some people. I'm a little behind some people. Um, so these exams are eight questions, but eight questions that take, okay, you have to go, you go, you sit in a room. It's like a two-day exam that you have to write out on a computer. Two days. I think it's like eight hours a day. I could be wrong on that. I might be overstating that. Maybe it's four hours a day, eight hours, whatever it is, you could, it's a lot. And then you have to go to the school, go in front of your professors, and they talk to you about it, and you have to know your stuff. And if you fail one question, you have to come back and redo that question. And then if you fail again, you're out. You don't just study a week before this. It's, I'll probably start studying in May. That's a lot of preparation. I have a goal, something I want to achieve, something I'm not going to flake out on. 
you know, the musicians prep too. I mean, um, I've heard plenty of stories of musicians that they will pay through a whole set before a show starts. They've gone through it. There's this one dancer, he would go, he would dance, dance all the way through, shower, and then the show would start. Because, you know, when it comes to music and, and, and dance, there, there's a precision, especially, you know, depending on the type of, you know, if, if you're like um, a classical musician, there's a precision. If you're a rock and roller, there, there can be some room. Jazz, there's room for improv, but I think you get my point. Um, you know, when we had our son, he's 19 months, like I said, there was a lot of preparation. We had to prep the room. Um, we had to, um, you know, get all the clothes and, and we, we were very blessed. We got a lot of, um, clothes from a lot of people we knew and family and whatnot who had kids that were a little older, didn't need their clothes, you know, toys and, and, and bottles and all that stuff. Um, and, and just taking classes and reading. I mean, having a baby is never something you can fully prepare for. Those of you that are parents know that. Um, but you prepare as best you can and you take things as they come. And that's a part of life. You know, it really is. Sometimes you can prepare as much as possible, but then there's curveballs that come at you and, you know, you got to adjust your swing, you got to choke up or, um, you know, protect the plate. Um, although I don't do that much anymore in baseball, it's either home run or strikeout, which is a little unfortunate to me. I don't buy into all these saber metrics, but that's a whole nother, um, that's another, I, I don't know if that's relates to holistic Christianity at all, but it's sports and I love sports. So maybe one day, um, you know, it's, it's similar with like a job, you know, you, you go on a job interview, you know, your resume, you, you have to prepare your resume has to be prepared and you have to be prepared to, you know, answer questions. And what they, you know, an interviewer might ask you a question that if you didn't like prepare to think, and not just thinking of the, the rote answer, but to think outside the box, even creatively, that's what employers are looking for right now. They want cre- people who can think creatively. Yeah, anyone can give the, the generic answer, but they want someone who's a, who's a more or less a, can be collaborative, um, who obviously can communicate well. That is still the top skill an employer looks for is communication. Um, communicate probably cross-culturally a little bit different generations, genders, and um, ethnicities, nationalities, and such. Um, that is important, because we are much more of a global world right now, an intercultural world. Um, but you you need to know yourself. You know, that's a part of pre- preparing, too, I guess, is, is, you know, is knowing yourself and, and not being afraid to ask yourself diff- difficult questions. Being, being okay with being wrong, being okay with being, you know, putting your pride down, you know, out of the seven deadly sins, pride is arguably the most toxic, at least in that movie, The Devil's Advocate, it was. Um, and get the whole thing, potentially why, but not ready for that uh, here. So preparing for life, really, is having a, being humble enough um, to let and vulnerable enough, I think, to let yourself be taught. Sometimes you learn lessons just kind of on your own in life, sometimes through peers and circumstance, and a lot of times it's through people who are authority above you 
and I don't mean authority in like a dictatorship kind of way. Although some people may think their parents are like that. Some people may view God like that. Um, some parents probably are. Mine, mine weren't necessarily. I try not to be that kind of parent. My wife is not that kind of parent. Um, and sometimes you have to put your foot down, obviously. Some people view God as like a dictator. Um, he, he really isn't, though. He has guidelines, standards he does want us to uphold. But he's, he is also very gracious and um, obviously very loving. Um, sorry, maybe it's not obvious to some people. But God is very loving. God loves each of us just as we are. Um, you know, so when it when it comes to to God and whatnot, um, there's this, there's a story about a woman named Esther, and there's a book called Esther in the Bible. Um, Esther, incidentally, is the Hebrew is Hadassah. I actually had a cat named Hadassah. Um, I just wanted to bring up the nice memory we had of her. She was she was fun. Um, she's not no longer with us, but um, so there's this King Xerxes, and his wife disrespected him, so he put his wife out. Um, th- there is definitely not a strong moral fiber in this king, but Esther has very strong morals. So the king basically had all his, you know, all the people go. He's like, I need a new queen. Go find all the beautiful young women. So this this woman Esther, now Esther was Jewish. Um, she didn't have parents. She was being cared for by her uncle Mordecai. Let me just, and, um, I'm sorry, Mordecai was her older cousin, not her uncle. Um, so they were cousins and he took care of her cause she didn't have parents. And, you know, she, she was lovely the, the, when, when, you know, she got sent for, she didn't meet the king right away. And neither did any of the other women that were sent for. What happened is before she can meet the king, I'm reading straight here, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments, six months with oil and six months with perfume and cosmetics. So two years of treatments. Now, there's no suggestion here. I'm using this as an analogy. This is not a suggestion that women need to get all dolled up. This is not a comment Um, this is not like an anti-feminist. This is not a, um, comment of how women need to act in, 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 women need to act in kind of this like 50, you know, 1950s, however you might want to look at it. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, um, women, I'm not suggesting that women in a subservient role. What, what I am suggesting is that it took two years for Esther to prepare herself to be prepared to meet the king. And the king saw so much beauty in her. And I will guarantee he saw the inward beauty in her. Because as, as the story tells, she had an, a strong dignity and morality about her. So much so that she actually, as Jewish, she was able to save her people, the Jewish people, from being destroyed by an evil person in, in the king's court. And because she was prepared. Being prepared allows you to be ready for, quote, such a time as this. It, it's probably well known even outside the Bible. Because when you're prepared, you're ready. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get that job or make that lift or write an A paper. 
or even a B paper or whatever. But it means you're ready. You've done all that you can do. There's such a sense of satisfaction in that. There really is. You can't control what other people do. You can't control what other people think. All you can do is best prepare yourself. And in that sense, you can find satisfaction and fulfillment. You know, we're not victims. None of us, none of you out there listening is a victim. Some people are, are like, like when it comes to small, like, oh, I didn't get that job because, you know, well, that person doesn't like me or because I'm this color or because I'm this gender. I mean, maybe they're, they're, that's legitimate or, or because of my religion, you know, may, you know, that stuff's possible. Maybe the person trying to hire you is just a jerk and didn't like the color of your tie. Or maybe you look like his ex or her ex. So there could be that kind of cattiness, but that's not your fault. You know, true victims are people that have gone through like true, like true oppression, you know, like that come out of, you know, that have lived in, um, like, uh, you know, what they have, like after like a hurricane or a tornado and they set up like those camps, the tents, I'm, I'm sorry, the word is, I um, can't get the, the right word right now. Th- those are, those are victims, but many of those people pick themselves back up. You're not a victim just because you get like a parking ticket. You know, the opposite of being a victim is being a creative. You see what happens. You notice ever, ever, sometimes if you get a bad grade, you're like, my teacher gave me an F. But then if you get an A, you're like, oh, I got this A. See how we twist it? No, you earn what you get. Again, sometimes people are unfair. Yes. But generally we earn what we get. And we earn based on the effort we put in. Some people are richer. Some people are bigger and stronger. Some people are smarter. My mother always told me there's always going to be someone bigger and faster than you. Okay, you know what? Fine. But I'm going to put my all in there. And, and because I've done that, because I've kind of sold out for that in, in, in reaching what some of my goals are, I could see what some, you know, they've come to fruition. I mentioned the book chapter. I mentioned how much, how much healthier and stronger physically and mentally I am because I've put in the work at CrossFit to become that. Because I see people around me that aren't healthy. You know, I don't want to be you know, stuck in a wheelchair when I'm 70. And not to just necessarily just because some people, things happen. You know, I'm a cancer survivor. That's a part of my story. But it doesn't define me at all. You know, I would joke around when I was six. Oh, it's because I have cancer. You know, I would joke around with it. But I overcame that. Unfortunately, sometimes disease or injuries do hamper us to the point where maybe they can't be overcome, you know, in the way that, that I or others may overcome them. So, so I mean no disrespect. You know, I look at a wrestler like Daniel Bryan is a professional wrestler. He said he can never wrestle again because of his next injury, but two, three years afterwards, he did it. Now he is wrestling again. Yeah. There are, there are no cures to some like MS. Alex Trebek, we all know who Alex Trebek is, got diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, I believe. He says he's going to beat it. You know, he might not. But just because it's stage four pancreatic cancer, I think it's a 6% survival rate. But he's going to try. 
He's going to try. So, what I think God, I'm being prepared for now, what I think God's prepared me for, there's, there's some changes going on. I'm not going to mention what they are here and now because they actually haven't happened yet. Um, if you know me well enough, some of you may know to what I allude. Um, you know, some things with work and, and whatnot spiritually. Because I think because there's a plan. Because I've been committed. I've been committed to God, honestly. And because, you know, he knows, what, he knows what's best. And whether it's the writing, getting more published, more speaking. Well, part of the plan is doing this podcast. So again, I thank you so much for listening. Because I, I believe there is something on my heart. I believe there, there is something I can share that might help somebody further along. You know, one of my other, my, one of my favorite podcasts is called Ward on the Go by Chris Ward. And he's been a real encouragement to me. I'm actually going to hear him speak on Wednesday. He's coming to one of the schools I teach at. And he's helped push me to, to do this podcast. And I've done it. You just got to take that first small step sometimes. So, you know, think of the things you're being prepared for. If you don't know what it is, you know, pray, talk to people, search your heart. You know, sometimes the things we really want to do are the things closest on our heart. And sometimes we don't do them because we think we shouldn't, because that's not like the, the wise decision. That's not like what society thinks we should do. Sometimes we do, yes, have to take like lousy crap jobs. Like when I had to work at Starbucks for three years, I learned a lot. It was cool for a little while, but it was so grating. And I have nothing against Starbucks. I actually think they have really good coffee. And, um, but, but that, that wasn't like what my calling was, but I had to do it for a little while, you know? Um, but that's not what I mean. You know, the things that are you're most passionate about, those are the things you're, we're meant to do. You know, I believe. Um, I, that, that's, that's an idea for, maybe that'll be what I speak about next week is our passions. Um, the passions God has laid on our hearts, really. Um, and I'll probably, you know, borrow heavily from, there's just one book I can think of, but, you know, as I leave you today, you know, thank you again so much for listening. Thank you, um, for taking the time really to listen, you know, whether in your car, whether you're at home, wherever it is, you know, and I hope that you, you've learned something about taking time for yourself to prepare and it's not being selfish and it's not even sitting there, you know, taking time to, um, unwind watching TV. I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, taking time to make yourself better. And that comes in preparation. Thank you so much.